0: Welcome to That Healing Feeling. I'm Torzy, and I created this podcast talking all things well-being, what makes us feel the absolute best in ourselves and how we overcome challenges and heal with positivity and strength. It was so great to speak to Mari on the podcast this week. For the first half of this episode we explore Mari's personal relationship with running and how recent deep reflection and healing... Mentally and physically, has allowed her to build a positive and balanced relationship with the sport. We also discussed the critical petition that Mari and athletes Anna Gordon and Kate Siri produced, calling UK Athletics to have a zero tolerance policy regarding abuse, harassment, and misconduct towards athletes. Mari is a fierce advocate for the safety of athletes and women, and it was fantastic to discuss the need for active policy changes with her in this conversation. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. So, on the podcast this week, I have Mari. I'm so excited to speak to her about her journey of running, but also this petition we're going to talk about as well. So, thank you so much for coming on.
2: No, thank you for having me.
0: No, it's so great. I just wanted to start by um, talking to you about how running came into your life because I think that's a great way to kind of frame the episode. Yeah, so um,
2: I was in primary school. And my family were always super active and I think our school janitor started putting on like cross-country training sessions, which were essentially races at lunchtimes, but I just thought like my family did quite a lot of extreme sports or extreme sports for an eight-year-old, so like mountain biking and, you know, I don't know, gorge walking. And I thought that this looked really boring. Um, I was like, God, running around in circles on a grass pitch, that looks dull um and I think one of my primary school friends was like mm, you think you're so fit and sporty but actually you're not because you don't do cross country <laughs> um, and I was just so stubborn that I turned up the next Tuesday lunchtime and um yeah I, I loved it oh, <laughs> um, I think, I think it as well is because specifically at that age like boys and girls are on such a level playing field so yeah. I was like overtaking the boys and like beating them and I just thought that was really cool um, and one thing i did find really hard was like later on in primary school when the boys started hitting puberty and they were all of a sudden just better than you like yeah. i didn't understand i just thought that that was the most unfair thing that could possibly happen in your life um no, because like, he was a boy um but yeah so basically i just i i guess i kind of had a reasonable amount of success in, in primary school like i won scottish primary schools cross-country championships um but then when I went to secondary school like kind of friends became more of an, a priority for me and running really wasn't very cool and I was already painfully uncool. sure so you were. <laughs> oh no no <laughs> oh no no I was <laughs> um, so I didn't really want to like promote the whole running side of me too much but um yeah I got I got more into it when I went to uni and I'd had a couple of Scotland vests but I was kind of pants on track and um I went away to Spain for a year and became a bit more involved in it just because it was a good way to meet local Spanish people um and so the more time I spent at the track the more Spanish I spoke but consequentially the better at running I got um so yeah and then I I guess now um I had a bit of a breakthrough year in 2017 I got my first GB vest and running yeah. I've had a really complicated relationship with running probably since then because I think for me running has always been a place where I've channeled like anxieties or um, frustrations or anything that wasn't great in my life like I had a bit of a um, turbulent home life when I was still at school and I I really I I had a bit of like a kind of hard mental health time when I was in Spain and I think that that meant that I because I put all of that negativity into running I had quite a difficult relationship with it in that it was kind of all or nothing Mm. um and so I did have a lot of success and I didn't think I had an unhealthy relationship with it at the time it's only kind of on high, in hindsight that i can see that yeah um, but basically um i i had a couple of gb selections and i went to world cross country and it was all really exciting and hugely um valuable in terms of experience but um kind of towards the end of 2019 beginning of 2020 i had a series of like really bad illnesses um with chest infections i was in and out of hospital on and off antibiotics for about nine to ten months and um then covid started like the world pandemic so i've kind of had a year and a half out of like competitive running um kind of forced upon me which actually for me has Given me the space and time to step back, reevaluate my relationship with running. And I think, and hopefully it's true, have managed to develop a much healthier balance where it has a place in my life, but it isn't my life.
0: I completely relate to that element of hindsight in the sense that I feel like when you're in it, it feels like it's fine. But often it's when we look back um yeah I certainly I certainly agree with that um I had a lot of injury and I would just push 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 through all of them and it's only when you kind of a massive step back and look look back at it that you can see that that is not actually even though it's kind of being like oh I'm challenging myself I'm going for it it's like you no know, sometimes you actually need to challenge yourself by yeah. not going for it.
2: and I think if you're like a high achiever or you you know you're quite a driven person it is this pressure of there constantly being racist and of missing out on opportunities and wanting to prove fitness um, and or you know get into teams that when that's removed from your power you're honestly forced to reflect and I'm quite like I'm quite like a a reflective person anyway I I do do a lot of kind of soul searching and even when I was in a bad place with running I still thought that I was actively thinking about me and who I was and my relationship yeah. running, but I, I my head was so close in that I just I couldn't
0: yeah that back
2: to 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 really evaluate what was going on.
0: Yeah, no, completely. I feel like it is something that a lot of athletes go through. I mean, every single person, well, every single athlete I've had on the podcast is that element of kind of, it becomes something that we place so much value in that we don't kind of see that in ourselves and i think it's just it can become quite dangerous with anything whether it's um i don't know if you love playing an instrument or if you love dancing or anything like that a hobby that you become really passionate about it can become quite dangerous if you place so much value onto that because then if it is like you say if you channel your kind of anxiety or your stress into that if that's a space where you can reduce that it's a great thing it's amazing but it also is then problematic if we for some reason can't run so for example you with your illnesses or me with my injuries it just it, it's important to know that like you say creating that balance so that's not gonna determine how we feel if we can't do it like it's completely yeah. disappointed
2: <laughs> I think it's because if it is something that you've channeled any negativity in your life into then you the positivity that you get from it makes you feel good but then you start placing and evaluating your self-worth on the positive outcomes and if those positive outcomes stop or they don't progress in the way that you want them to then the thing that once made you feel really good now makes you feel really bad.
0: Yeah no completely and when you had these illnesses um, was it kind of a case of you needed a kind of yeah medical treatment or did you as well kind of combine that with your personal kind of practices to get yourself out of this space?
2: Yeah so I mean initially I have just always been somebody who when I get like a cold I get a chest infection Um, and so when I first got ill I just thought it was another one of those but it basically didn't go away. Um, So you know I I was doing the usual like echinacea vitamin supplements, healthy eating, um, yoga, like resting. Um, And then I think it kind of had coincided that first illness with a season's break. So um, when I started feeling better, I started building up training again, but it just never went away. And I think because my immune system had been weakened, it didn't have the strength to kick any infection. And I suppose winter happened and I was working with kids and I just kept getting ill to the point where I was just I had a chest infection every single month um so I maybe had like a week of feeling well and then I was ill again um so I think maybe by like chest infection number five I went to the doctor and it had been like four months by this point where I was really ill um and that's when they gave me antibiotics but they just didn't work (laughs) really They, they got rid of it but they didn't fully get rid of it and again because I was in a bad mental health mental space and I wasn't prioritizing looking after myself um I was then going out and training really hard and punishing myself for having missed training and it just it was a really bad cycle that I didn't get out of until the pandemic started and I was like almost on a retreat up in the islands, home with my family and like going for walks instead of going for runs and you know had to slowly build it up again taking taking a step back yeah literally like I and mean, it sounds so cliche but I was like helping my dad plant potatoes in his garden and like, oh digging, that's cute <laughs> digging out his driveway like my dad very much lives like the country bumpkin kind of lifestyle oh. like, he really helped to put me in a better place honestly
0: I think COVID's been so polarizing in that way. I feel like a lot of people have really benefited from it being a space to just reflect and kind of gently build yourself back to where you want to be. But then also obviously some people, it's really heightened their kind of sense of anxiety and stress. So it's it's been a very polarizing thing, hasn't it? Yeah. In the running world as well, it's been obviously really interesting because obviously it's, I mean, it's the first time ever really that there's been no races on. Um, yeah. I think for some people it's much harder not having those um, races to work towards or at least say they, they're they're in the distant future but not kind of closer goals.
2: Yeah and it's also a goal that keeps moving further into the future every time something gets cancelled or changed and to be honest for me initially specifically last year that actually was amazing because I know that I would have found it much hard to recover and much much harder to give myself that space had there been races because yeah, I probably would have raced when I shouldn't have done yeah but because we were allowed that space and things were cancelled. It was almost a relief to me it's yeah, like silver lining as
0: well, isn't it? It's yeah, great. and I know
2: that like I'm really I'm actually quite unique in that, and I know a lot of my friends have been really frustrated. And yeah. do for them, but I for me that has been really good because otherwise I think I would have I, I might still be very ill. <laughs>
0: yeah no exactly and in terms of kind of mental health care and stuff did you therapy when I first
2: got ill I started seeing therapists although that was actually for a different reason although I think that I kind of think everything's connected and related anyway so Mm -hmm. I think that like I got ill because I wasn't looking after myself I kept getting ill because I still wasn't looking after myself and I wasn't looking after myself because I didn't like myself and I didn't Mm -hmm. want to um So yeah, and I now see a psychologist every month, So, although it is a different woman. But um, yeah, it's just really helpful. And I think it's really good to keep checking in and provide that lens to see yourself through from a kind of third perspective.
0: Completely. I also think it's so important to draw attention to the fact that often when we do kind of feel physically unwell, it's really important to nourish um, our mental health as well, because I think sometimes we kind of separate body and mind quite easily. And like, if we're ill, we kind of focus on that physical treatment. But actually, sometimes it's just, well, I personally think it's just as if not more important to focus on mental treatment as well.
2: No, I absolutely agree. And I think, to be honest, I didn't really start getting better until I started prioritising my mental health. Yeah. Um, that was when the chest infection stopped. So,
0: yeah. Wow. Yeah. It makes sense, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. And, and, and it was, I have spoken to like doctors who have suggested that actually it's probably got a great deal to do with the fact that I was under a lot of emotional stress
0: completely it makes a lot of sense I think that's exactly how I would kind of frame why I got such intensive injuries I think it was very linked to that um just before we get into I'm really excited to talk about the petition which has been an incredible thing um for the athletics world um but I would just love to ask as well um about how you use yoga I remember you saying that when we were t- chatting before um and I love that that was kind of a part of your recovery so how has that been um beneficial so
2: yeah I kind of I started going to yoga because uh like maybe 2016 2017 I ended up loving it and Found that I think I was really skeptical on the spiritual side and I'm definitely a minimal spiritual yoga practicer but um I definitely remember like all of the breathing practices really helped with racing because I, there were a couple of races where I could you were just more in tune with your body I suppose in terms of your breath so if you were in a race you would notice I'm getting really uptight now because I'm stressed about how this race is panning out, and then I was—it was much easier to reconnect, calm, and and continue pushing yourself. Yeah, it's really cool. It's interesting because being able to find calm in the chaos of a race is not you know, an easy task. No, um but cool. when, again, when I was at home, just I had—I wasn't running, and I had less work because I lost my job because of COVID, um, and so. I kind of was looking for ways to fill my day and I kind of re-found or rediscovered how good yoga is in terms of just forcing you to pause and forcing you to like take stock and recollect and I guess like heal your body from the inside but again there is like an actual physical benefit in that you are also stretching which yeah. can also cover and i think even if that's the only reason that you're doing it like the other benefits do also happen um even if you are skeptical
0: yeah a lot of my students i think are quite uh, a little bit suspicious of the whole kind of yes yeah, spiritual side of it and obviously i love that having done my teacher training um But I don't massively, I don't bring it too much into my teaching, but I bring it enough so that people be like, oh, actually, like, I did enjoy that side of it. I don't mind if people come to me and I definitely benefit off kind of the fact that people do kind of just want to stretch. um, But I don't mind that as long as people kind of go away from being like, actually, I got more out of it than just the stretching.
2: Yeah. Like, I think it's even nice just, you know, like setting an intention for your day as part of your yoga practice. Like, that's a nice thing to do regardless. Yeah. Yeah. and I mean, I was speaking to my brother actually, who was and is suffering from long COVID. Who oh um, is probably, so tired of that. Yeah, no, yeah, but he's okay, um, and he's trying to kind of change his lifestyle. And he was like, "Yeah, I did a YouTube video for yoga." <laughs> uh, and I did laugh because it was the most absurd thing hearing it from him. But um, he, I said, "Oh, you know, what, what did you feel about the spiritual side of it?" And he's like, "I actually found myself saying Namaste at the end." So I think it is it's something that creeps up on people. Okay, You, you kind of get drawn into it. And actually-
1: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Actually does make you feel good. No, that's so great to hear that, you, um, that you've that you enjoyed doing that as part of healing. I would love to speak to you now about um, the petition you started. What inspired this first? And then we'll kind of discuss what you wrote in that letter to Joanna Coates.
2: So... Um, because of recent case decisions, case management decisions regarding coaches who had been involved in sexual misconduct or abuse of athletes, where coaches were receiving temporary or partial bans, meaning they were receiving bans of one to five years, <clears throat> or that they couldn't coach athletes under the age of 18, um, we, in frankly, we were really shocked, we were outraged and we just felt that we had to do something about it because if people don't speak out, change doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so myself, um, Kate Siri, and Anna Gordon um, kind of united to <clears throat> send an open letter petition to UK Athletics calling for that change.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And for you personally, was, was there something that made you really passionate about constructing this letter?
2: yeah so the recent case decision was regarding um my most recent ex-coach um and um I was one of the people that came forward against him um and we yeah I I think when I initially found the temper well rather yeah the temporary ban I I I I was confused. I think I felt it was like quite bittersweet. I was really relieved that something had happened, but yeah. I I didn't understand the rationale or the justification for five years. Um, and I felt that I wanted to do something about it, but I think being a woman and also being an athlete, it's quite hard to use your voice because you're so worried that it's not going to be listened to. Yeah. And I think that that's something that is changing within athletics or rather I'm trying to change it, Um, that the athletes are more confident to use their voice because ultimately like these national governing bodies and everything to do with sport wouldn't exist without the athlete, like athletes are the sport, that's kind of as simple as it is. And So if we're not being listened to, then the sport can't exist in the way that it should. Um, and so the most empowering part of the entire campaign was having my voice listened to because it was really scary like my heart was racing the day that we posted that petition but having literally almost no pushback from anybody and we've received very little next to none criticism which we do also appreciate is really unheard of yeah Um, and a lot of it thanks to the cooperation from uh, Joanna Colts, who's the CEO of UK Athletics. But I just think, um, I I really hope it sends a message to other athletes that if there's something they really care about, they should speak out about it because if you don't speak out, you don't get change. Um, And I think I kind of, embarrassingly always believed that petitions actually didn't really get changed and didn't really do anything um I didn't really understand the power behind them um or the power behind putting something into writing and asking for it
0: yeah no completely and it's yeah it's been met with like kind of an amazing response hasn't it in terms of signatures it's reached uh, like numerous countries as well hasn't it and and like kind of extensive numbers of clubs
2: yeah so I think the official count was actually 1,987 but um, honestly we had so many people contacting us after we'd sent it asking to put their names on it which was yeah. such a thing because we were like oh we were so close to 2,000. Oh. Um, I actually think if we would kept it open for longer than a week we would have reached 2,000. Actually we kept it open for six days so maybe even that seventh day we could have got the two thousand, but that was never what it was about. And I think to be honest, at that point the number was so overwhelming that they had to listen. Yeah, um, but it was from
0: over eight hundred clubs and five countries. Wow, that's amazing. Well done. So so great. It's such an incredible way to push for that positive change because it's obviously a triggering thing to be working with. But no, honestly, it's so it's so 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 amazing. Joanna, did she she did respond, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah,
2: we did. Um, We actually had two calls with her um, to discuss. So she she contacted us arranging um, a meeting with the three of us. And she listened to us. And she she was equally passionate about changing things. Um, You know, she was very sensitive and understanding. And to be honest, she seemed as shocked as we were. I think the one of the issues and it's an issue but it's also not because ultimately sport is about competing and it is about achievement and it is about medals to a certain extent Um, and so I'm not I don't think any of us are ever saying that we should take away the focus from those things and place it on safeguarding and athlete welfare I just think that there should be more of a balance yeah um, ultimately sport is sport so it's always going to be about the athletes achieving yeah the athletes achieve if they're not being protected
0: yeah and they they want to be able to achieve in a safe environment it's really important those relationships we develop with our coaches and obviously there's I think it's kind of brings to light this petition how our relationship with our coach can be incredibly positive but also incredibly negative
2: yeah I think like the the athlete coach relationship is the most important relationship an athlete will have in their career. You obviously have an entire team of people, and it's important to have a physio that you trust, a nutritionist that you trust. But your coach is your guide. It's the person to whom you give your dreams. You put your dreams and your hopes and your aspirations into their hands and you hope that they will look after them the way that you look after them and will help to like take you there. Um to the best of their ability and I think that's why there's such room for abuse of that relationship Mm -hmm. because you're in such a vulnerable position particularly if you're young even more so if you're a female um, just because there will always be abuse when there are two roles at play and one is more dominant than the other we can't get rid of abuse but we can get rid of a system that allows it to happen yeah um and I think that yeah and then a positive coaching relationship can be the kind of make or break of an athlete yeah Um, and it's and it's so important to make sure that you are with a coach who you really feel like you have a strong bond with and You know, I I have that now, but I definitely didn't have that in the past. And, you know, for multiple reasons.
0: Yeah. And I think you're so right in saying it's changing a system. We were speaking about this just before, but how we, me and Mai actually kind of, we actually were discussing doing an interview before um, kind of this violence against women um, narrative came out in social media. Uh, There's been so much material on social media kind of demonstrating how Female athletes do just not feel safe. And this is a system that obviously just needs to be changed ultimately. And it's kind of working out how we can do that. Ultimately, the best way is to try and change the policies
2: um, within national governing bodies and potentially also within government in order to better protect athletes. And by campaigning for those policy changes, education and raising awareness will happen. Unfortunately, I don't really believe that raising awareness alone is enough because. Raising awareness alone is fine, but it's not actively changing anything. And I think unless you're actively changing the systems in place to better protect or better promote or respect both men and women, but obviously the marginalised identity at this point is women and other marginalised identities. And so the policies need to reflect them and put them at the heart of decisions.
0: No, I completely agree with that. If I remember seeing... Um, loads of friends and athletes sharing um, the petition, and it was just so great to see that it was having an impact. So very, very thankful for you to to start it.
2: Yeah, I think it was really nice actually to see how there is a strong sense of community within athletics, and it was amazing to see people supporting each other's voice and kind of coming together to incite the change. Rather than, you know, a lot of people weren't even questioning; like it was just obviously we're going to help obviously we're yeah. here obviously we're going to make, make this change
0: yeah and just but it, well, it's just about building positivity within a community which we are all included and it yeah it demonstrates that aspect which is really great to see um in terms of your running journey at the moment um do you have any kind of goals or races potentially coming up hopefully not being more postponed
2: yes yeah, so i'm actually racing this weekend um i oh, wow. um yeah so I'm I'm racing in the north of England I fortunately very fortunately have a travel exemption so um we'll be competing it's a road 5k which is not really my event but um it's a start and yeah. I'm, it's kind of the only thing that's available just now and to be honest I just need to like bust some rust and yeah. um hopefully have a performance that I don't want to bury my head under the duvet covers about <laughs> um but yeah and then I suppose this summer is kind of trying to get commonwealth standards um so hopefully that goes okay uh, really hard to, I mean when I look at my pbs and I look at the standards it doesn't seem um out of this world like a ridiculous aim but I'm also explicitly and excruciatingly aware that I haven't run those times in a while because of a covid b chest infections illness uh, so yeah it's gonna take a lot but hopefully it'll work out
0: oh well good luck that's very exciting thank you (laughs) I have my three questions at the end um, that I ask every guest which is really fun I just love seeing people's different answers so the first question is what is something that you do every day to feel your absolute best
2: there's two things I, I either and probably most days I do try to do both but I always try to do something for like the people that I love um I it's honestly it just gives me such joy making other people happy um so like yesterday was my boyfriend's birthday and I made him a chocolate cake and blew up balloons and etc I love people's birthdays but also just like speaking to the people that you love and that can you know be your parents or your friends or whoever um and I think just making sure that you are surrounded by a community of people I think especially just now it can make you feel really lonely and even the worst days can seem better just by speaking to the right people
0: completely and I think COVID's something that's highlighted that and it kind of makes me I'm actually someone who's who I always say this even though I definitely use it all the time but I'm always like oh like I'm not a massive fan of technology but I think actually in COVID times it's made me so thankful for being able to still kind of engage with people who I'm not with physically. Yeah. Um, because obviously when I'm in Edinburgh, I'm with all my flatmates, which is lovely. And then when I'm at home, and am with my family. Um, but it's been so nice to kind of maintain those connections. Um, and I think that's been so important um, in this time as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay. So second question is, is there a goal you have or a way you want to grow over the next year?
2: Yeah so I suppose just trying to be less afraid to speak up about things that you care about so that doesn't have to mean like making massive campaigns every week but just I'm I've always been quite um, passive um, and I've always been afraid to like say what I really think or what I really believe Mm -hmm. in relationships in friendships um, within family circles and you know in work as well and I think I'm tired of doing that. So, um after seeing how kind of empowering it is, I think I've always believed that honesty is the best policy, but I also think being upfront and um voicing what what you're actually feeling is is also really important.
0: Yeah, I think I can definitely learn from that. <laughs> I'm it's definitely really hard. It is hard. It really is. I'm definitely someone who yeah, it's like, oh, I don't want to cause a scene, but that's yeah. like, that is something that needs to change, which is
2: also such a woman thing to do. It's
0: such, it is such a woman thing to do. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, actually, it's fine. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's,
2: honestly, it's so it's so bad. <laughs> you know, or even like honestly, the tiniest thing, like somebody saying, "Well, what do you want for dinner?" And there's something that you really want. And you're like, "Oh, I don't mind. You choose."
0: I know it is so like, societal, isn't it?
2: I just mean, even like, I honestly mean on that kind of small level as well, like if there's something I want for dinner, I'm going to say it now.
0: Nah. Oh, I'm going to take that one forward into my year as well, for sure. <laughs> okay, so the last question is, um, is there a mantra or a quote that you have um, for positivity?
2: Um, so I'm a massive Dr. Seuss fan. I just Aww. think that everything he's ever said is gold. And <laughs> if ever I'm feeling sad, I honestly just Google Dr. Seuss quotes and I sit and read them um but my favorite one is um don't cry because it's over smile because it happened um I don't know I just I just love it I, I think when my grandpa died I I clung to that quote and Aww. I think it's applicable to everything and the thing is I'm not saying don't cry because crying is amazing but I think <laughs> it's kind of trying to focus on the positives that came out of that experience rather than but but rather than crying over the loss yeah oh I love that
0: quote that's so nice
2: (laughs) honestly everything everything he's ever said I just think it's all so great
0: God, I love that (laughs) thank you so so much for coming on um really really great to talk to you about everything you're so welcome Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It was brilliant to speak to Mari about her individual healing journey, but also her incredible positive impact on the athletics world. I hope that you have a lovely day ahead.